first referral slip. Do you find yourself waiting for weeks on end for recommendations? Well, wait no more. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't keep up that voice too much longer. (laughs) I I don't know, the uh, ever finding a struggle of do I sound demented or do I sound sexy or both when I do that. Um, (laughs) Write in and let us know. This is Vanessa at CVD Clinic, and with me, as always, is Darren. Hey, everybody. And we are actually going to start a series, a series of what we're calling referral slips, to give you some of our recommendations. Um, You know, we kind of had the realization that we just jump right into everything, and which that's fine and dandy. We all have a lot to say about that you know, whatever book or movie you were reading, watching, and um, just thought, give us some time in between those. We had to, we can't, we can't give you every other week of us reading a book. We wish we could. (laughs) (laughs) It would be awesome to be able to just read all the time. It's awesome. It would be, but, and sometimes we do read outside the podcast. Uh, So we wanted to share that. And the same goes for our, our, uh, viewing. Is there anything you want to say, Darren, before we jump right into our first uh, referral slip? No, I think uh, like any phone call with the clinic, it should be brief and to the point, which okay. we're not going to do anyway, but tra- <laughs> trying to save <laughs> us a little bit. Here, let me say, um, no, no, I'm just, uh, I'm glad you've at least got some brains in this operation because I never would have thought to do this. Well, you know, I just want to check in on people, you know, in between these big, bigger shows. These are more like, these are going to be more like mini episodes. So this is not going to be uh, <laughs> an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes, two and a half hours of us. It's just a little check in. So as you said, we're going to keep it brief. Or we're going to try to. But um, with that, I'm going to jump into my first uh, recommendation, which is going to be a book that I'm still in the middle of reading, probably a hundred page. I'm only a hundred pages in, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend it anyway. It's the Michelle McNamara book. uh, I'll be gone in the dark. One woman's obsessive search for the golden state killer. I'm sure I know I've mentioned on here when we did our Dahmer thing that I'm a massive true crime fanatic and this is very this case of the Golden State Killer in California is very interesting. There were over it's this is a case that's been going on forty years, and you had Michelle McNamara. Um, she's actually now deceased, and she was. Some people may know she I, and I had read her uh, true her true the, 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 I can't speak <laughs> her true crime blog and while she was alive, but she had been doing all this research on this specific case and was so obsessed with this case. 
and this book, though, they actually, uh, some other researchers and her widower, um, Patton Oswald, they got together and published this book. And she had already been in the process of writing these different things. But recently, the, the book was published in February and had gotten, I, I know, some good reviews then. But why I just picked this up now is that on April 25th, the the um, California, uh, I can't remember which jurisdiction it was in California, but arrested um, James, uh, Joseph James D'Angelo as the alleged um, Golden State Killer. So, and it seems that part of this research that's in this book actually helped lead to solving this crime. It's looking that way. And that to me is just so completely fascinating. Yeah, I, I I still haven't got to read the book. It's I'm on the wait list at the library. I might mm-hmm. end up just buying it. Yeah, I just got it for the Kindle because I was I was just doing the same thing where I was like, okay, how long am I going to have to wait for this? And finally, I was like, no, I really, especially once someone was arrested for it for the you know for the crime, I was like, okay, now I really want <laughs> I really want to read it. And I'm and I'm I'm definitely like I said, I'm only a hundred pages in, but I'm already recommending it. If anybody's a true crime fan, I mean, because she was someone who was a fan herself, not just a journalist. And that's part of what makes it so compelling. Because uh, I've read other true crime books and, you know, everybody has their own different writing style anyway. But some can come off as very, it, this is this is kind of, it's it, it's, it's very personable as far as, you know, parts that are told from her, like, first person, almost, where it seems like, oh, yeah, this is a friend of mine, you know, who was totally into true crime, just like me, you know, those people that you'll meet here and there that, and you just kind of geek out over something like that. I'm not saying necessarily you, Darren, I, I, but I know that I get that way about true crime, and if I can find someone, that's what I was doing with Bo when he was on the show, (laughs) Hence, we had an episode that was two and a half hours long. But <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm expecting either you guys to start a true crime podcast or for us to more regularly cover true crime books and movies with Bo coming back. I'd be up for that either. <laughs> <laughs> I always go to the crime museum whenever I'm in D.C. <laughs> uh, it's not always worth the money. It depends on how much they've switched everything oh, no. around. But they... um. They closed it. Did they close it? Uh, last year, like a year and a half ago. Yeah, I uh, got I got to go. I'm so glad I did, but I got to go about six months before they closed it. Yeah, last time was probably about three, just before we had Danzig. Yeah. But um, the first time I went to it that I remembered was even more years ago. That was the trip. Uh, that's where I uh, proposed to Vice Abbas was in ah. D.C., and uh, it wasn't as romantic as I planned. She thought I was being weird, so she was throwing <laughs> throwing me out of the hotel room. <laughs> I was like, wait. But yeah, it was a wonderful trip. Sad to see that uh, the the museum is gone. Uh, yeah, I, I, they're I, trying I, to find a home for it somewhere else, but I think they've sold part of the collection right now. Yeah, hopefully they'll have... Uh, it's a shame because it's so fascinating. Yeah, there's so much cool stuff there little bit of, you know, I, I think, I don't know. We, we won't get into it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so 
that's my book recommendation. Like I said, it's uh, Michelle McNamara, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Now, wasn't... You... Yeah. One last question. Uh, mm -hmm. Wasn't there... So, there? You were talking about her getting some credit, but wasn't there a little bit of law enforcement trying to take a lot of the credit, even though they're like using terms that she came up with and research that she did. And yeah. There've been different things like that, that everybody tries to take the credit in in a case, I guess. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that was one of the things I had seen. And especially when it's multi jurisdiction, you know, kind of situation. That's why I said, I'm not exactly sure which California law enforcement division is the one who ended up arresting D'Angelo. Yeah. <laughs> because there are so many involved. He, uh, I mean, really, the area that he struck in for his rapes and murders is, was expansive. Yeah. I, the yeah. name changed from, like, the East Area Rapist to the Golden State Killer. I heard one of the voicemails that he left. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was so fucking creepy. Yeah. Um Going towards a little bit more lighthearted than mass murder and rape. My recommendation, I think that's where we were going before I yes. stepped all over your words. Nope, that is exactly where I was going, please. Um, since I am busy with most of my reading time getting ready for the upcoming episode reading Valley of the Dolls, I usually um, counterbalance with my urge to be reading more than one thing at a time. I've been going back through Jason Youngbluth's graphic novel, Weapon Brown. I can't remember. Have you seen it? Have you read it? No, I haven't. Youngbluth uh, did a comic called Deep Fried that was, you know, relatively offensive to a lot of people. Weapon Brown came out as a series that, you know, eventually got compiled into whatever those big graphic novels are called, a compendium. Right. It is post-apocalyptic uh, post peanuts, basically, with a bunch of other comic strip characters worked in. So the beginning premise is Charlie Brown had been experimented on by the government, and okay. now he roams the post-apocalyptic wasteland with Snoop, his more pitbull-looking dog. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to find the little red-haired girl who uh, <laughs> Linus Linus has a cult for the Great Pumpkin. There's Beetle, Beetle Bailey, Blondie and Dagwood have like some BDSM stuff going on. <laughs> um, there's the Wizard of Id, Dilbert, Popeye, Beetle Bailey, if I didn't say that yet, Calvin and Hobbes, Little Orphan Annie. It's... I think he's been sued for copyright infringement a few times for it, but it's been uh, deemed satire. It's really, right. really cool black and white. Yeah, I, it's it's a little hard to explain, but yeah, it's basically like a, a Mad Max 1970s post-apocalyptic comic book with the Sunday funny papers inside it. Okay. Uh <laughs> and I I know there's stuff that I'm not even catching because I don't read all the comics. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty rad. Interesting. Yeah. No, I I have not read any of that, but I'm familiar with a lot of those comics. Yeah. Because I used to even, <laughs> I mean, that was the only thing to read in our shitty Alabama paper growing up. 
<laughs> we get it every week. We get the Sunday paper every week. And that was that and the parade magazine. That was the only thing that was worth reading in there. Everything else is garbage. And the, and the coupons. I mean, like, seriously, that's how bleak it was. <laughs> <laughs> I read some pretty bad comics. That's what I'm saying growing up. But there were some really cool ones. I mean, like, you know, we at least had Doonesbury. Yeah. Oh. I love Doonesbury. But I think that's the first. Speaking of satire. Yeah. That was comics, Sunday papers. Yeah. Did you use Silly Putty? Of course. I love my silly putty. <laughs> and I'd get it stuck in my hair and I had long hair. So it was, it created a problem. <laughs> yeah. I never got silly putty in my hair, but I did have a bad habit of falling asleep chewing gum. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> got that in my hair a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had hair down to my waist for many years and, uh, Let's see. I, I know all the treatments of how to get the gum out with the mayonnaise and uh, <laughs> ice. <laughs> I'd, pr- I'd rather yank Older. a handful of my hair out than have oh. mayonnaise touch my body. Oh, God, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> you, and you would have thought I'd learn, but no. <laughs> it hurt once what it wants. I love gum. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> anyway, back to the comics. Yeah, so, I hmm? no. So I was just gonna say Sunday comics that like you read those growing up too. Yeah, that was. Um, I think it was. Yeah, it, when we were talking about my friend Dahmer, I said something about my my best friend's dad was a cartoonist. Right. So I mean, my parents were into it, but I mean, there were comics okay. everywhere over at his house, and we could we obviously had to secretly read all the pornographic ones that he drew, but right. You know, there were other ones i i never i I like the comic strips but i never really got into the basic comics you know the batman superman stuff yeah you know right i could take it or leave it but i've always been drawn to um the more independent ones and Mm -hmm. for ages my band's practice base was up above a comic book shop so the owner was always hey you should check this one out you know you said this the other time and so yeah weapon brown jason youngbluth uh, I liked Deep Fried. If I remember correctly, it's a greaser clown with a pompadour and a leather jacket and his asshole cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's about 15 minutes of talk right there. There we go. And I think that's our cue to take a break. Be back in a moment. Are you terrified by real life? Us too! You like horror movies? Us too! Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies. And all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th! He can, yeah, he can ride around on jet skis with Dennis Hopper, like all the other smokers in the water world. I think that's what they were called. I don't remember. I think all the... I vaguely remember that movie. (laughs) I tried to block it out. Like, I love bad movies, but that one I just, I just didn't get into. No uh, Kevin Costner double feature post-apocalypse with Waterworld and the Postman? Oh, I see. I think I just don't like Kevin Costner, and that's that's really what it comes down to. 
So I blocked it out of my head. <laughs> At least he didn't pretend to try to do an English accent in Robin Hood. Yeah, well, that's that's true. He certainly didn't try to pretend. Nope. He didn't. Try, he didn't try to do much of anything in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Robin Hood from Kansas. That's just it. He just showed up on set and put on a costume. He didn't do much of anything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that movie was totally carried by Maid Marian, Morgan Freeman, and uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Schlater. He was okay. His uh, his his Sean Connery. His British his accent. Little... Sean Connery's minor appearance at the end. It's Sean King Connery's minus appear- minor appearance and uh, Professor Snape. Uh, Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. He was a. I think he was a good true. sheriff of Nottingham. That's true. Alan Rickman fucking rules like crazy. Oh my god, have you seen? Have you seen Closet Land? No. Oh, speaking of Alan Rickman, it is so hard to find now. But and I've. I've been trying to find it. I don't know if it ever even came out on DVD, but I had I had it on VHS, and it's this basically it was a two person show that came out in I think the late '80s, and it the it was done as a movie with Alan Rickman and Madeline Stowe, and it's basically a woman being tortured, like. Uh, mentally like it's like a government kind of type type thing it's this really intense psychological torture in examination of torture and ptsd and it's grueling but the performance that both of them put in in that movie oh is just fantastic and i want to find it again and buy it because it's so fucking good it's chilling it's chilling, absolutely, because it was like one of those that like it was written by a uh, I think the playwright who wrote it had been was like am involved Amnesty International got involved in their case mm. to help get them brought to the United States, you know, on whatever diplomatic whatever as a refugee or something. You know, it was one of those kind of stories behind it. Cool. Um, and so it was partly talking about this torture this this psychological torture that political prisoners go through and uh, yeah it's very fascinating and that, just yeah if you're an alan rickman fan you'd love it okay is someone politically minded you would love it right on i what was it closet land mm-hmm. okay i'll definitely i will add that to if I you am, can find it anywhere i highly recommend it Cool. It is not an easy watch, though. I will, I will tell you that. Oh, uh, you know, that that happens with important issues. Yeah. Have you seen Death and the Maiden? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it, this one came out, I think, right around the same time as Death and the Maiden came out. Death and the Maiden was also a play, I think. It was, yeah, it was a play or a book. I can't remember which. I want to say a play. Because there was a lot of theater coming out of New York at that time. That had that some of those those similar issues, no strong female characters. And it, it, in my memory, it looks like a play. You know, there's a lot of single set. Right. Yeah, and it's it's a small cast as well. Mm-hmm. Small, but, awesome cast. I can't remember yeah. who played the husband, but what Sigourney Weaver and yeah. Sir 
Ben Kingsley. Yes. I just remember the two of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but like I said, with Closetland, the fact that it's two people, that's just, that's hard to carry a movie with two people and it not get boring. <laughs> <laughs> and they pull it off, you know. Anyway, let's go back from our break. <laughs> Where we, we did I just recommend another movie? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if we leave that in, that's about a half hour. <laughs> Sorry, I got really I got sidetracked because we were getting ready to recommend. Yeah, maybe we do leave that in, but because uh, it kind of goes along with what we were both going to recommend as our movie, which is actually TV series. Darren, would you like to say that is? Yeah. We actually both were going to recommend the same thing. Correct. And it should probably come as to no surprise to anybody that we talk to on a regular basis, but Margaret Atwood, a Margaret Atwood Hulu joint called The Handmaid's Tale TV series. Yes, we uh, already have it on our agenda for the future of the VD Clinic, one of our regular monthly episodes um, for the do, to cover the book and the 1990 movie uh, starring Natasha Richardson, uh, Robert Duvall, and Faye Dunaway. So we were we're going to we're already going to do we already have that on a horizon. But we've been both been watching this series and kind of independently, this is <laughs> great minds think alike here, independently kind of decided we were going to recommend this. Darren, I'll let you, since I already talked about Closetland, and <laughs> it's, another just, it's another kind of dystopian type thing in a way, like Handmaid's Tale. So I'll let you go ahead and say more about Handmaid's Tale, the TV series. Yeah, so if you're unfamiliar with the book familiarize yourself but you don't need it because it stands alone you don't need to have seen the movie you don't need to have read the book to get this the handmaid's tale is based off the margaret atwood book that she wrote in 1985 i think yes and it's mostly at least for now i could see it spreading out but it's based in what used to be new england in the future and uh surprise surprise the idea of a totalitarian religious government ruling america which is then renamed the republic of gilead yes and as people do they've clung to religion to explain things that science could and um the those in power are basically kidnapping and forcing women into slavery. The rape that comes with slavery comes along with it, but it's in the guise of religious, I don't even know, ceremony? Uh, yes. Um, ritual. Absolute ritual. Because yeah. it is the way, the, the root, the ritual itself. Yeah, the rape is a ritual. Yeah, there's so it's much a ritual. It's, it's a, yeah, it's an entire ceremony and everything. It's, and it's all justified by the Old Testament of the Bible. And Which the story really about <laughs> Jacob and Handmaiden. Yes, it really is. And, um, it, the way that it's also, there is a difference to, and we can we'll talk about this more once we're it, doing the full episode on the book and movie down. You know, in the well, I think we have that on the agenda for the fall, maybe. But we we'll see. We might move that around. You never know. Yeah, you never know fruit. with us. Yes, exactly. Um, but it's 
the the race issue in the book is different than in the movie. I mean, in the TV series. In the TV series, you see people of color because it is supposed to be the United States. You know, places that their pop, their ge- you know, the geographic population. There are people of color there, so of course you have black and Latino actors. But in the book, it's very white. But there's a whole complex type of thing around that that I don't know if they would have time to get into or want to get into in the TV series because the TV series they have um it, I mean there's so many layers they have to work with here and I and I'm glad that they've ex- been able to expand on this TV series the way that the movie didn't about you know going to more the backstory of some of these other characters not just the main character we're introduced to June Osborne or Alfred as she sometimes known yeah, and the renaming women as, based on it, the and the name comes where they are as property of a man. So yeah. off Fred, yeah. off Warren, right? Because oh. she's she, because she's Fred's property. It's Warren's property. Yeah, it's a and how I know it's supposed to be a dystopian future, but how far in the future is it supposed to be? It doesn't seem like it's supposed to be that far in the future. No, it's not, it's not futuristic, and the flash, the flashbacks, and everything do a, a nice job showing how this sort of shit is gradual. Right. You know, right. First, they're forcing um, the LGBTQ community back into hiding, and their jobs are threatened, and then women are not allowed to work and then all of a sudden there's an ex- you know there's a terrorist attack and right we'll we'll use that to take away some of your freedoms and in, in the in the guise of protecting you and there's a lot of women that work on well obviously a lot of women work on screen in this but there uh, every time i watch it in the credits i notice there's a lot of women co-producers second directors editors you know a, a I don't know. I don't know if that's worth noting. Well, one that's actually I know I I told you about that I noticed was Eileen Chaikin, who's listed as a producer on uh, a lot of episode. I mean, I'm sorry, season one. She was the creator, executive producer, and sometimes writer and director of The L Word on Showtime. So she's like one of those cable TV series <laughs> power hitters, you know, that, the, you know, that they have kind of working on this kind of thing. I mean, there are other people, but that was one name that just jumped out to me without like really investigating. And then I start pulling up the IMDb page and start looking around and they have a lot of good talent on this. I mean, obviously, if you look at the on-screen talent, Elizabeth Moss, I've loved her from, you know, from Mad Men, Peggy on Mad Men. She was one of the best characters on there. I mean, a rich, another very rich three-dimensional female character. Starting out at the bottom and trying to claw her way out. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And being, and finding her inner strength and, which is what you see June slash Alfred do in this um but you also have like Samira Wiley who's on Orange is the New Black who I love on there and she I think she's popped up on Law and Order SVU as well (laughs) (laughs) as most New York actors have 
but you have Joseph uh, Fines. I mean, these what's uh, um oh what's her name? Alexis Bledel. Um, she's one that's on there. Yeah. And what, I, and what did and what did they call the lesbians? Gender traitors. I think are, so. Gender are they call it gender treachery? Like lesbianism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she she was a a marked or a fallen woman, right? Be- because she may have been part of a out of wedlock sexual. Um, yeah, but uh, so many good people in this cast, and I, you know, I'm waiting for there's there's going to be more and more cameos. I'm sure. Um, right. It was announced at the beginning of the month. It was announced at the beginning of May that it's been renewed for a third season. So okay. there's, it's going to be, uh, and you know, this is, I think it's a good time for this show. And the cinematography I think is amazing. There's so many striking Absolutely. shots. Absolutely. And, um, and it helps with the costuming that's in it. I mean, but it's also, you get some of that, like this uniformity then like this militarization that is incorporated into the society as well. Like the entire look, mm-hmm. the way just, you can tell that the way the government has changed and through the, just even the costumes that everybody is forced to wear in their everyday life in this, in this society that's constructed. And God, and out. Uh, oh yeah. So oh my goodness. Aunt Lydia, like, I hate you so much. I Not know. Aunt Dowd, but Aunt Lydia. Lydia. I hate- that I hate character, it, Lydia, so much. But she's so good. She's just so good. Yeah. So that there's there's a reason why we both organically came up with suggesting the same thing is that right. If, if you're not watching it right now, you should. Yeah, and it and I have to say, it took me a while to sit down and watch it, even though I knew as soon as I heard that they were making this the series, I wanted to watch it immediately, but. By the time it was released in 2017, and considering the electorate, the election, like post-election environment we were in, I couldn't emotionally handle it <laughs> because I know I fully admit this. Um, I, I've admitted this before. My just my depression and anxiety levels have just increased. Uh, to yes incredibly since um 45 was elected and was put in office i'm in a better place now but which is why i can watch this amazing series and i wish i'd watched it sooner but still i also know that considering it's it's a, it's a very it's very impactful series if you see certain things that are going on with society today and it's it strikes a nerve yeah. And it's very, very powerful. And that's part of what, what draws me to the series. And it's a little easier for me to binge watch while, though I, I have empathy, I would be, except for I would be killed, like, trying to run some sort of underground railroad or something. But, like, <laughs> I'm a dude. I am a no threat in in The Handmaid's Tale. But I can still only watch two episodes at a time. And then I need a little bit of a break to go you know yeah apologize to my wife <laughs> <laughs> oh i i made the mistake of one day watching i think it was the first day i started watching the series i watched 
was it four or five episodes right in a row? <laughs> and by the time the last one ended, I was like, oh my God, I need to stop. I mean, I said it out loud, like, this is, I can't handle it anymore. If you could go start a, a commune like um, Glenn Close did in the world according to Garp. Oh, God. Yeah. That just might be make, too vague of a reference. Run, <laughs> just makes me want to run to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Now, make sure make sure your passports are up to date. That's a, yes, that's, exactly. That's a, it's a good thing to do, just in case. That, that That's always a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we could go on and on about this story specifically, but like I said, we're going to have more time when we get to the full episode in um, a few months down the road. So anyway, that ends our first referral slip. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say, Darren, before we go? Uh, uh, just remember to keep taking your antibiotics, even though... Even when it's cleared up. Or, um, remember it affects your birth control. Uh, no, no. Um, this was fun. This was more, a little bit lighter than, even though we've had a little bit heavier material, I guess. Is It was a bit more conversational. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let us know if you, if you like this or, you know, vdclinicpod at gmail.com or come check out our newfounded Instagram. Yes. Which is also VD Clinic Pod, or if you search VD Clinic Podcast, you should be able to find it. And our wonderfully humming along Twitter, which is that also VD Clinic Pod? That is also VD Clinic Pod. Ampersand VD Clinic Pod. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I rambled everything. Okay. Uh, well, until next time. Goodbye. Take you know? <laughs> these broken wings <laughs> and learn to pot again. Okay. <laughs> on the Legion stream. Okay. I could go on forever. Okie dokie. If that doesn't sound bad, I don't care if you sneak that in somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to know that we can be amused. Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VDClinicPod or reach us via email at VDClinicPod at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more. <laughs> <laughs>